Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Now We're Talking. This is a podcast about communication skills, and my name is Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and I'm a professor of communication studies. Uh, Last week, we were talking about uh, interpersonal communication and the kinds of positive and negative macro and micro form, micro communication practices that help or harm interpersonal relationships. Uh, Today, I also want to talk some about intimate, long-term interpersonal relationships, Um, and I want to talk more explicitly about the major communication practices that are destructive of interpersonal communication and the destructive of the kind of intimacy in interpersonal relationships. Uh, These things are things to look out for. Um, They're what we know kind of leads to negative consequences or negative effects. so it's this is more of a kind of uh, episode about warnings about specific communication practices. Um, we actually have quite extensive research that's come around uh, from the last 30 years that has produced pretty conclusive evidence about what causes breakups or divorce or what tends to cause the end of long-term intimate interpersonal relationships. We know what communication practices are harmful to marriages and to long-term partnerships. So I want to uh, today articulate what those communication pitfalls are, because to be a good partner, I think, is to also avoid these bad communicative practices. The first thing I want to point to comes back to one of the micro-communication practices that we talked about last week, and that has to do with tone. Um, Tone is... um, doesn't refer to the content of what you say, but the attitude with which you say it. Um, And in long-term intimate interpersonal relationships, the way partners choose to begin conversations, in other words, the attitude with which they begin a conversation with their partner, is exceptionally important. If partners tend to begin their conversations harshly, then the discussion will likely end harshly. If partners tend to begin their conversation softly, so with a softer tone, then discussion will most likely end in a positive way. The tone or the manner or attitude with which a conversation or discussion is started has a lasting and important influence on that discussion or conversation. So for example, if one partner starts a conversation in an accusatory, defensive, or negative way, then the conversation is likely to fail. Repeatedly beginning conversations in that kind of manner leads to a pattern of failed discussions. So that pattern is really destructive. However, on the other hand, if one partner begins discussions or conversations with a positive and supportive tone, even if the conversation involves some kind of problem or complaint, then that conversation is far more likely to end in a positive outcome. And here's what we know quantitatively, 96% of conversations end the way they begin. So the first thing you want to look out for is notice the tone and general manner with which you begin conversations with your partner. You always want to strive to begin a conversation with a positive tone because conversations tend to end the way they begin. So be mindful of that fact and act accordingly. 
Um, if one partner is constantly beginning conversations with a harsh, negative, critical tone, then that's likely a sign that the relationship is about to fail because it can't sustain too many conversations or a repeated cycle of conversations with that kind of negativity. Okay, uh, second and perhaps more explicit, uh, we know that criticism destroys interpersonal relationships. A criticism attacks the character of a person. It's not the same thing as a complaint. I complain a lot. I'm a New Yorker. New Yorkers complain all the time. Um, we complain about food, about weather, about everything. We also can complain about our partners. For example, I might feel disappointed that my partner didn't pick up dishwashing detergent from the grocery store because I had asked her or him about it earlier. That's a complaint. Criticism takes the complaint and turns it into an attack on someone's character. So if I tell my partner that their failure to pick up the dishwashing detergent is really a matter of them being lazy and selfish, then my complaint has turned into criticism. Every relationship has complaints. Every person on the planet complains. But once those complaints are turned into criticisms, then the relationship suffers. So you should complain to your partner, but you shouldn't turn your complaints into criticisms. Criticism is damaging because it leads to contempt. Contempt, contempt occurs when one partner uses sarcasm, name-calling, cynicism, eye-rolling, mockery, or hostile humor in relationship to the other partner. Contempt communicates disgust for the person it's directed toward, even when it's done in a joking manner. And conflict is the major result when disgust gets communicated. So, um, well, let, let me put it this way. It's impossible to solve a problem when one partner is disgusted with another. It's impossible to have any kind of constructive interaction when one partner is disgusted with the other. Typically, when one partner criticizes the other and communicates contempt, then the other partner becomes defensive. Becoming defensive is the most common interpersonal response to contempt. In cases when one partner is acting defensively, then conflict escalates. So it's this communication cycle, the criticism, contempt, defensiveness cycle, that's really destructive of interpersonal relationships. You need to learn to identify and avoid the criticism, contempt, defensiveness communication cycle, or at least identify it and get out of it. Um, let me use a, uh, another couple of examples here. I, I think that the, the humor thing is really important. Uh, I'm a sarcastic person. I like sarcastic television shows. Um, it's funny and dark, um, but sarcasm inside an interpersonal relationship can be a really dangerous thing because sarcasm communicates a little bit of disgust of the thing you're sarcastically lampooning. Um, so I was just thinking about that show, sort of Californication, where Hank Moody is the main character and he's uh, really sarcastic toward lots of the people he meets and the whole Hollywood scene. But that's because he has disgust for it. He has contempt for Hollywood. He has contempt for most of the people that he meets because he judges them as inadequate somehow, as not up to his kinds of uh, lofty literary standards. Um, I've seen many relationships where one partner sort of jokingly refers to uh, another partner's weakness. So let's say one partner is short and the other partner thinks it's cute to call a person shorty or um, short stuff, or like has a series of nicknames that are sarcastic, sort of 
um, ways of, of diminishing the other person and making fun of their own concerns with height. That's not sustainable over the long run um, because you're communicating a certain amount of contempt also and disgust with your partner's height. Uh, you're latching on to a weakness and um, contemptfully making fun of it. Uh, so the criticism, contempt, defensiveness, communication cycle. Uh, here's another thing that we know. If that cycle is engaged frequently and more frequently than, say, active support and active listening, which we, we talked about in other episodes, if the frequency with which um, partners enter the criticism, contempt, defensiveness, communication cycle indicates the how close or how 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 dangerous or not dangerous, how close or how eminent some sort of breakup or divorce or dissolution of the relationship is. Um, when you engage, when that criticism, contempt, defensiveness, communication cycle is engaged frequently, then the the relationship is on the rocks. It will end. Um, people can't sustain being in that kind of cycle too frequently or uh, for too long. So uh, look out for those things in that cycle. Uh, the other thing about the criticism, contempt, defensiveness cycle is that it escalates conflict. Um, it, it, when we're escalating conflict, it, it escalates kind of um, disequilibrium. Um, it's, uh, it brings to the fore power differences. Um, it positions two partners in opposition to one another. And it's very, very difficult to have constructive conversation or constructive supportive communication in such circumstances. So um, oftentimes couples that fight a lot, uh, fight a lot because they're stuck or they get caught inside this criticism, contempt, defensiveness uh, communication cycle. Um, okay, so next communication practice to be on the lookout for is what's called stonewalling. Stonewalling also destroys interpersonal relationships. Stonewalling happens when one partner tunes the other partner out or attempts to remove him or herself from the conversation or discussion. This amounts to a form of withholding. Um, however, I think I said this in like the second episode, one cannot not communicate. So therefore, stonewalling does communicate. Stonewalling, in fact, communicates contempt and disregard for one's partner, which inevitably escalates conflict. If one partner is feeling angry and the other partner withdraws into stonewalling, then the angry partner will feel more angry. That's the effect of stonewalling. More generally, if one partner consistently withholds information from another partner, then this communicates distrust and amplifies tension. Any example of a refusal to communicate does in itself communicate in a way that's destructive of interpersonal relationships. So don't stonewall or withdraw, or if your partner is stonewalling or withdrawing, you try to avoid becoming more angry or more upset because you know that the stonewalling or the withdrawing is likely to produce a greater kind of intensity of anger or upsetness. Um, withdrawal is kind of the ultimate power move in any relationship. And if, especially in close intimate interpersonal partnerships, two people that normally talk a lot and share a lot of things and are in constant conversation and know how one another's doing, when one partner then withdraws or stonewalls, uh, it can be very upsetting because the other partner is so habituated to hearing about and knowing all these things that their other partner thinks. It becomes disorienting 
and you don't know what to think or what to trust. And it assigns sort of the power to the stonewaller. And that's usually what the stonewaller wants. The stone person doing stonewalling wants power over the other person somehow. But of course, that kind of dynamic is not helpful for an interpersonal relationship. Uh, it causes the other person to get more angry or more upset or more confused or um, um, more of whatever negative feeling was that led to the stonewalling to, to begin with. Um, so stonewalling is um, kind of one of the, the more damaging things you can do to a relationship. So just like the criticism, contempt, defensiveness, communication cycle, if there's a presence of a high degree of stonewalling, if stonewalling happens or withdrawal happens frequently in an interpersonal relationship, then odds are that interpersonal relationship is going to fail. Um, that's just not gonna not gonna work in the long run. Uh, okay, so it's no stonewall. Next, uh, the next thing to, to be on the lookout for is what's called flooding. Flooding and the forms of nonverbal communication that go along with flooding signal distressed interpersonal relationships. So flooding happens when one partner is suddenly or unexpectedly overwhelmed by strong emotions. Physiological changes happen with flooding. There's an increased heart rate, there's an increased blood pressure, there's sweating, usually your adrenal glands start firing. Uh, the presence of these nonverbal signals and these physiological effects make it impossible to engage in helpful or constructive communication and discussion. So when there are physiological and nonverbal signs of flooding, then one partner can only engage their fight or flight response systems. So that partner also loses the ability to process information fairly and can no longer focus positively on the other partner. So a good partner is able to recognize the nonverbal signs of flooding and able to avoid attempting important interpersonal communication in those circumstances. Here are the signs of non, the nonverbal signs of flooding that you're gonna look out for. Stuttering or disrupted speech patterns, turning away, sweating, total loss of a sense of humor. Someone can't find anything funny anymore, odds are they're experiencing some flooding. Incessant touching of the face and lips, biting the inside of one's cheeks or lips, uh, an obvious need to run away or flee, or very long and sustained closing of the eyes. If one partner experiences flooding frequently, then that's a sure sign that the relationship is suffering. Our partnerships, our relationships should not be the frequent cause of flooding. That's a really terrible, terrible thing if it is. When one partner attempts to continue to communicate in the presence of flooding, inevitably a destructive communication cycle emerges. Inevitably criticism, contempt, defensiveness emerges or some uh, some worse form of, of uh, conflict emerges. So it's really important that you're aware of flooding and you avoid attempting communication during flooding. I've seen lots of couples get in these heated fights and arguments and it's immediately obvious that they're physiologically flooded with emotions. And as soon as that, that happens, um, no constructive, helpful communication can take place. All right, here's the next and the last kind of major communication pattern uh, to look out for and to try and avoid. Um, in interpersonal relationships, we have what are called repair attempts. And a repair attempt happens when one partner tries to de-escalate a conflict or solve a problem 
in the presence of a conflict. So conflict is inevitable. It happens in all interpersonal relationships. And then all interpersonal relationships develop repair attempts, little things, devices, uh, practices that can be used to help overcome the conflict and, um, and engage in a constructive solution. When one partner's attempts to repair conflict fail repeatedly, you get what's called a pattern of failed repair attempts. And a pattern of failed repair attempts is a sure sign that the relationship is about to fail or break up or divorce is imminent. Um, oftentimes, like uh, I try and use humor as a repair attempt. So um, it's an attempt to prevent negative feelings from spiraling out of control, essentially. If I find myself in an argument, even with my kids, if, if, if you know they're yelling at one another and or they start yelling at me, I get defensive for a second, and then I try and say something funny because the laughter sort of switches the uh, switches away from the criticism, contempt, offensiveness cycle. That's a repair attempt. So the laugh or the smile um, becomes the repair of the conflict. Apologies um, are also repair attempts when one partner apologizes to the other and kind of calmly admits fault or admits some wrongdoing. Um, there can be more complex repair attempts. Um, some partners use sex or touching to repair or de-escalate conflict. Um, those are all, all count as moment there because they're moments of de-escalation, practices of de-escalation. The problem is that if you normally tell a joke and you get in an argument with your partner and you normally tell a joke and that eases the tension and you tell a joke and it doesn't work. And then the next time you're in a conflict, tell a joke again and it doesn't work again. Um, it doesn't de-escalate. When those things we choose, when those practices we choose to de-escalate conflict no longer do the work of de-escalating the conflict, you get a pattern of failed repair attempts. Every couple has to have and use repair attempts that de-escalate conflict. But once those repair mechanisms stop working, then the couple no longer has the communicative means to de-escalate. So you should search for and develop repair methods and be aware of when those repair methods have stopped working. So you should be self-conscious enough to know that, oh, you know, typically in these circumstances, I tell a joke and it works. And right now I'm telling this joke and it's not working. I should switch to a different repair attempt. And if that repair attempt doesn't work either, um, then, you know, then you're into a pattern and sort of alarm bells should be going off that this is not working. Um, and that the relationship is, is basically in trouble. Um, so just to summarize for a second, um, we know, we know we have the evidence that tone matters, that the criticism, contempt, defensiveness, communication cycle matters, that stonewalling matters, that communicating while flooding matters, um, and that failed repair attempts matter. Those things, those five things, if you see them, and if you see them frequently in an interpersonal relationship, those are the communicative signals that that relationship is end is going to end, is dysfunctional, is not working, um, is is not good. And you know, a lot of couples spend time in therapy trying to figure out what the root cause of a conflict is or circumstances like that. Um, I'm not a big believer in necessarily understanding the causes of something. I think in many times, if you just point it out to the couple, these are five communication patterns that you're looking out for. Don't do those things. 
don't stonewall, uh, don't, uh, don't talk one flooding, don't criticize, don't engage in the criticism contempt defensiveness cycle. Um, try and start your conversations with a supportive tone, not a hostile tone. Just do those things and only those things and throw in a little bit of active support and active listening. And I think that the relationship would instantly in, well, not maybe not instantly is probably the wrong word, but that's a constructive path for repairing relationships as well. Um, okay, so um, that's it for this week. I think that uh, next week, I think we need to start talking about writing. Writing is a totally different form of communication and totally different communication practice. Uh, but I'd like to do a series of episodes on writing coming up and we'll sort of move away from interpersonal and small group communication, although we'll come back to it in, in later episodes. So thanks everyone for listening. I uh, hope everyone has a, a good week and I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. <laughs>